Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. White privilege is just an acknowledgement that our world is uneven. We live in a country that's unequal. All human beings share solidarity. All of us are made in God's image equally and therefore worthy of dignity. We're all ruined and rebellious against God and therefore calls us solidarity in sin. And we all need the same Savior. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is Wretched Radio. Talk. It ain't so cheap these days. It seems to be the way the world is being won through, of course, communication, ideas transseminated. But how we go about the business of encouraging somebody to rethink their current position. That is a study that is worth our time. Why? Perhaps you've noticed. Western civilization, well, it's a little bit different today. How in the world did we get here? And I would suggest to you it has been a war of words and a crafty, clever positioning of really bad ideologies that have won the day. For instance, the old Martin Bailey routine. Jimmy, yes. don't you think that people should be happy? Absolutely. That's why we need gay marriage. <laughs> no. Well, no, 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 no. Wait a second. Don't you want people to be happy? Of course I want See people. what I did right there? It's the old switcheroo. Furthermore, you may recall from Carl Truman's book, Strange New World, that if you say something these days that hurts somebody's feelings, you are automatically wrong. It doesn't matter what you said. You can say the sky sure looks blue. And if somebody says, <laughs> I, I lost one of my loved ones in a plane crash. And every time I look at the sky, I think of them and it makes me feel terrible that you mentioned the sky is blue. Therefore, the sky is not blue. That is where we are at today, and it has happened because secularists have been very clever with how they make their arguments. Karl Marx tried to persuade the West that socialism is a better system, and so it was tried, found wanting. But that wasn't the end of his ideology, an individual from Italy. Kind of hurts to say that. (laughs) Anthony Gramsci took Marxist ideologies and and repackaged them. Instead of being proletariat and bourgeoisie, no, it's the oppressed and the oppressor. Don't you want people to have a fair share? Yes, therefore socialism. No, but don't you want them to have a fair share? Zoink, Scoob! And it's one the day. Let's take a look, courtesy of the Federalist, First Things, and the New York Times, how to go about the business of presenting, at least in this instance, the idea that Christians should still be allowed to speak their minds, that it is right that we are able to hold a worldview that is in contradistinction to yours, And you shouldn't get upset with us to the point of imprisoning us or telling us we can't talk. Salman Rushdie, don't know if you heard the news, 
He has not been having a good week. He was in America talking about free speech, basically how America is a safe harbor for people who write objectionable things to a particular group of people. Muslims. And he got stabbed. And he's in hospital. Apparently he's getting better. But he also articulated that you must allow people to say the things that are just downright dopey. Let's take a look at this from the Federalist. Stop arguing for religious liberty. Huh? From the Federalist, say it isn't so, Hollenotes. Instead, start arguing against religious discrimination. Now, this is a tactical shift in how we talk to people, because if you remember, discrimination is a bad thing. Historically, the way that the picture has been painted in the West is that these white Christian males have been discriminating against people, anybody that doesn't look like them or profess like them. And therefore, it needs to stop because all discrimination is bad. Let's use that tactic, shall we? And so this individual from the Federalist, Auguste Mayrat, sorry if I goof that up, August. He's arguing that we stop arguing for religious liberty and start arguing against religious discrimination. From his article, in a recent settlement, Catholic Charities West Michigan successfully challenged Michigan's decisions to bar state funds to adoption agencies that do not serve same-sex couples. That's discriminatory. The settlement forced Michigan to reimburse the charity for its legal fees and other costs. So that was a win. The article continues, using an argument that has now become familiar to most Americans, Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel, who happens to be a lesbian mother of two and former gay rights activist, charged Catholic adoption agencies with discriminating against same-sex couples. In response, the Catholic adoption agencies used the same logic assuring the Michigan state government of discriminating against Catholics and effectively denying them their religious freedom. I think we could handle that shift in lingo, couldn't we? Should we stop arguing entirely for religious liberty? Of course not. But I think we should at least connect it to the idea that if you don't allow for religious liberty, then you're discriminating against a class of people. And we all know that all discrimination is always bad all the time forever. Perhaps a shift in the way that we speak. From firstthings.com, an encouragement to speak of freedom of religion in a different kind of way, that we start letting people know why it is that religious organizations, whether it's 501c3 nonprofit religious organization or churches, why it is that we don't make them pay taxes. Historically, we thought, well, because it's really good for people that religion is a part of American culture. From First Things, he's talking about the, the latest effort to stifle religious organizations, starting with universities. Don't forget, it's, I believe, ah, Jimmy, I'm stuck. Azusa, I think, is suing the government to say, hey, 
Um, we're not discriminating against people by not hiring certain people, at least illegally, because of religious protection. The amendment's recognition of religious freedom as our first unalienable right also suggests there is something important about religion, writes Josh Hodden, Holden Reed. Sorry, Josh. The original concept was give them a break so that they can flourish and do the good work that they do. From the article, recent victories for religious freedom are worth celebrating, but the emphasis should be on the importance of religion rather than just freedom or liberty in the abstract. So don't just say, hey, well, religious, we got to have religious freedom. Maybe we need to put a little building block underneath that and say religion is good. At least good religions are good. <laughs> Not so much. America enjoys religious freedom because the framers understood that religion inculcates public morality. Why? Because we're a free society. And you need an internal mechanism to keep people from acting like barbarians. A free society in which government intervention is limited, or at least should be, is not possible in a population enslaved to vice. Therefore, let's help religion to flourish because it will be better for all of us. That's how we used to think and speak. No more. Which maybe, I don't know, I'm, I'm speculating a wee bit is why the Department of Justice is going after the Southern Baptist Convention. Huh? What? What? Okay. All right. Let's hope that all the motives were pure and it wasn't to besmirch the Southern Baptist denomination because that just enhances the increasingly bad reputation that the church has. Not because people, all these churches, there's 350,000 Protestant churches in America. Most, most of them, good folks, law-abiding, paying their taxes. We gotta, we gotta put an end to that by besmirching everybody. And we've gotta respond and say, no, 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 religion is good. George Washington, in his farewell address, warned against the expulsion of religion from public life, declaring that we should, quote, caution, indulge, with caution, indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education on minds of peculiar structure, reason, and experience, both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. The secularists, they do it quite brilliantly. It's totally wrong, but it's quite brilliant. They repackage, they shift, they rephrase. That's reproductive rights, reproductive health care as opposed to abortion. Maybe, just maybe, how we speak about religion and freedom of religion could use this little shift. Not that it's going to save the day, but hey, it can't hurt to try this is Wretched Radio. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who 
cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Okay, so I've got a question for you. When was the last time you stuck something in the mail that actually made it to its destination on time? Has it been a while? We feel your pain because at the Wretched Store, we've also been having trouble promising delivery dates for your purchases, and we don't like that at all. Which is why our annual digital sale couldn't have come at a better time. This Friday through Sunday, you'll find the digital download and stream of select resources in the Wretched Store marked 50% off. And that's a win-win-win. How so? Simple. Number one, half off regular price. That's a win for you. Number two, immediate delivery and no waiting on the postal service. Another win for you. And number three, you're happy because you've saved money and didn't have to wait. That's a win for us. See, a win-win-win for everyone all the way around. So don't miss this opportunity that only comes around once a year. Our annual digital sale, Friday through Sunday only at the Wretched Store at Wretched.org. 200. That's right. 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. Their parents are getting saved. The church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local churches that became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at Tomorrow Clubs org slash wretched books of the bible the book of obadiah is a prophecy against the nation of edom who were descendants of jacob's brother esau obadiah's message is clear god will punish those who persecute his people when you face troubles of any kind turn to the lord Renew your faith in Him, for He cares for His people. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. I was being sarcastic, which is another big word you'll learn in school. What's the word on the street? Simone de Beauvoir. The French word. This is Wretched Radio, and it is also a name with which we should be a wee bit familiar because her early radical ideologies are now mainstream thinking. Who is Simone de Beauvoir? Which, by the way, you have to say it that way every single time. She was a leading feminist who talked about radically altering society, breaking down families, and she had a methodology for doing it. And guess what? That playbook has been run. There have been a number of feminists, Betty Friedan would be another, who have been instrumental in charting a course, sort of 
Saul Alinsky style rules for radical. This is how we tear it down. This is how we change everything. This is how we undermine God, the church, oppressive religion, and even families and genders. Let me introduce you uh, to Simon. Simon, that's her brother, Simone. Does it matter anymore? No. Can I just call her whatever name? Names don't mean anything. She may have felt like Simon at one time. Well, then let's just go with Simon, founding mother of modern feminism. Can we call her founding mother? Is that? Uh, Maybe. mm, Of modern feminism endorsed the three planks of feminist reform. That did not go far enough, however, as she conceded in a 1972 interview. Quote, I think the family must be abolished. Hello. That's pretty straightforward and replaced. Get ready for this. Takes a village with communes or with other forms with which yet have with which have yet. They spoke differently in 1972 to be invented. In other words, families raising parents raising. No, no, no. Everybody raises anybody. And we just do it as a big group hug in communes. You hear the word communist in there, don't you? Bye-bye families, hello communal living, or a system we haven't invented. So in other words, let's tear down this thing that's actually been so good for people, except when it comes to sexual liberties, which is what this whole hokey pokey is about. Let's just tear it down and replace it with something we don't know about yet, but we'll think of something. Good thinking, Simon. Beauvoir's life points to what this new ideal would mean. Women would have no children, or at least fewer children, and those children would be raised by a gaggle of adults. Relationships would be more or less open, and sexual desire itself would find a greater variety of outlets. This is from the American Mind, which talks about miserable women and purposeless men. That's the thrust of the article. And this individual, Scott Yenor, who wrote it, is explaining why it is that women these days aren't happy and men are basically spending a lot of time looking at pornography and playing video games and not pressing in, not moving in, not going for it, not looking at my little plot of land assigned to me. And how do I go about the business of subduing this thing? How do I, by the way, if you'd like a tip to help your son do that, your front lawn is a good way to start. Son, God gave us this piece of land. Let's take a look in the book of Genesis. We're supposed to subdue this place. We're going to beautify it, and it's going to start in our front yard. Now, we can't make all of Atlanta beautiful, but we can make our front yard beautiful because that is a physical visual demonstration of man's superiority over stuff and the assignment that God has given to us to subdue this planet. You're welcome. That should help them to act like a man. But so many men are so purposeless these days. Kate Millett, author of the highly influential Sexual Politics, written in 1970, aimed the feminist revolution at three substantial goals. See if this sounds familiar. First, and this is crucial, feminists should seek to end the ideology of male supremacy. 
and the traditional socialization by which it is upheld in matters of status, role, and temperament. No roles. We can all do everything. Although, let's be honest, the feminist movement has women as being superior. Neither gender is superior. We complement one another. Like the right hand complements the left hand. Like a dance. Somebody's got to lead. Somebody's got to follow. Otherwise, it's like watching the Three Stooges dance. Or Laurel and Hardy. Although they could dance, Laurel and Hardy. When they, when they uh, was it Blue Moon of Can when they were singing that song and they were like in West Virginia and then Stan Laurel suddenly had a really baritone voice. Okay, so let's not use Laurel and Hardy as a good dance illustration. Let's stick with the Stooges. You've got three people and they all want to lead. Well, somebody's going to get poked in the eyes really soon. Okay, that happens anyway with the Stooges. The point is somebody's got to lead, somebody's got to follow, or you don't have a dance. Do you think Dancing with the Stars would be popular if both of the partners were leaders? It would just be a clunk fest. Nobody that's not beautiful. That that isn't pleasing. That isn't artistic. That's a mess. Ditto the world. God assigned genders with specific attributes so that we could glorify him better together. Doing the little dance of complementarianism. Back to Miss Millette. Sex roles in child rearing, wherein girls are encouraged to play house while boys roughhouse, must fade and eventually disappear. Disparities in the workplace and difference in career tastes should vanish. This is the playbook, 1970. This is exactly what we are seeing. Second, the traditional family must be weakened and eventually destroyed for the sake of complete economic and emotional independence for women. Isn't that exactly what Simon said? <laughs> hey, that guy, we got to destroy the family. Boy, the nerve. Other institutions like daycares and schools must take over the time-intensive job of raising children. And kids need to grow up faster for the sake of female independence. Husbands no longer must expect to provide for their wives since feminists see this as an instrument of male control and oppression. Nor should mothers any longer feel themselves duty-bound to raise their children. And that's what we're seeing today, and it's been going on now for a number of decades. And soon, it appears, our government will be paying for that substitute parenting called daycare. Third, the feminist revolution demands a revolution in our view of sexuality. Feminism seeks, quote from Millette, an end to traditional sexual inhibitions and taboos. This whole thing is about sex. Including especially ending the moral beliefs that support monogamous marriage which is supported by belief in monogamy, fidelity, parental responsibility, you know, traditional families. Got to go so we can have sex any way that we want to without any consequence. And instead, what do they do? They affirm every form of sexual aberration as long as it's not traditional marriage. That is the playbook. And now, interestingly, courtesy of the New York Times, we are being encouraged as, as individuals, if you're in the feminist movement, to stop playing by the rules, to start 
breaking the rules. Here's the headline from the New York Times. New York Times, all the news that's fit to print. Women, the game is rigged. It's time we stop playing by the rules. They actually printed this. They Basically, the woman's premise is it just hasn't worked. Look, Roe v. Wade got overturned. And despite all of the good things that have happened in our country with different societal advancements, not enough. So not working within the system no longer makes sense. We can't power pose our way to a safe abortion in Texas. So what's the point of playing by the rules when it feels like they're written to ensure we wind up losing? What does she suggest? You follow the lead of other demographics that have overturned the systems. There's no short example of feminists who've opted for social boundary breaking. Some activists have rejected the officially sanctioned modes of justice in favor of an unconventional alternative. What is the New York Times promoting by printing this columnist? By printing this, this uh, what, uh, the opinion piece? That we should be anarchists if we're women? Vigilante groups such as India's pink sari-clad Gulabi gang wield sticks against abusers and rapists. Oh, so that's okay? Abortion rights activists have also turned to these kinds of guerrilla tactics in the years before the right to legal abortion was established in Roe v. Wade. The Jane Collective provided safe abortions, performing an estimated 11,000 procedures in the pre-Roe era. Well, that number can't be right because millions and billions of women died from back alley abortions. The point is, modern-day feminist movement, they want to and they've been succeeding greatly in destroying families so that they can have sexual liberation. And now it appears they're willing to do it via vigilantism. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. And for the last several years, we've seen corporations and schools implement CRT policies, but they've all tried to hide from the fact that they actually were. Now, in Minnesota, they're not hiding anything anymore. Recently, a teacher's union has put outright racist policies into their new contract. According to reports, the union's newly negotiated contract literally states that white teachers will be laid off or reassigned before educators of color. I'm pretty sure that's not legal. And science is out here saying some weird things again. According to a new report, quote, science says bachelorette parties are destroying LGBTQ safe spaces. I had absolutely no idea bachelorette parties were now a scientific field of study. (laughs) Who knew? Listen to this. We just took my three-year-old son in the doctor for a checkup. So my wife and I are waiting in the room with our son and the doctor comes in and he sees my son sitting there on the table and the first question that he asks him is, so luckily my son understands obvious tenets of biology at three years old and says that he's a boy, just like his chart says. Uh, I thought you had to take like basic biology and anatomy and those things to be a doctor. I really think this guy's out here practicing without a license. I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Climate change is real. According to CBS, children are getting bigger because of climate change, not junk food. Apparently, it's too hot outside for kids to be outdoors playing, so they have to stay inside and play hours of video games and eat tons of junk food. See, it's not their fault. It's 
climate change and stuff. Well, a judge last week in Wyoming has blocked a new law that would have banned nearly all abortions in the state. In a ruling, the judge said, quote, this isn't a case about moral propriety. No, not at all. Murdering innocent babies is not a moral issue whatsoever. And speaking of abortion, apparently Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams has explained in a new ad that because of her Christian faith, she supports abortion. Huh. Thou shall not murder. Uh, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Um, it's not my father's will that any little ones should perish. Yeah, yeah, she's right. It may be because of her faith that she supports abortion, but I don't think it's a Christian faith. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called our ransom. Through our sin, we are in bondage to sin and death. But Christ paid the fine to satisfy God's justice and purchase us as his holy people. If you are in Christ, you no longer belong to sin, but to God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. There's a pretty good chance that you have felt the effects of a radical feminism in very personal ways. This is Wretched Radio. Radical feminism seeks to destroy family, traditional values, fidelity, monogamy, parenting. All of it's got to go. And you would ask the question, well, why? It's... it works, and it seems so, I don't know, natural and normal, just just like we observe in the animal kingdom, that the people that give birth raise them, and they probably say something like, well, no, there's packs of lions, and they all... No, they have a mother, typically, that they follow around. And that is what is normal and natural. And the radical feminist movement wants to dismantle the family system, which is integral. It's just amazing to me. It's as if they never read a history book. There is not a nation that has done better than average that didn't put an emphasis on family. Strong families, strong societies, strong society, strong state, strong state, strong nation. It's common sense, but it is being dismantled and you are feeling the effect of it. Are you one of the parents whose children have vamoosed? They didn't even say goodbye. They just left. You call them. They don't answer. You send them gifts. Sometimes they get sent back. You can't even talk to your children because the children won't let you. Might I suggest to you one of the reasons for that? And remember, when it comes to sociological issues, there's always more than one explanation. But we're just focusing on radical feminism and what it has done to the family, specifically to children, about how they are supposed to view their parents. And it is, they are getting bombarded these days with messages. You're an idiot. What do you know? I don't have to tell you anything. They don't talk to their parents. You can't, oh, look at their cell phone. Are you kidding me? Where does this attitude come from? Courtesy of an article from The Federalist. Today's kids despise authority. Thanks to a disastrous duo. Lockdowns and CRT. 
that's interesting. You're going to hear statistics that the kids aren't doing so well these days in school. More than 70% of schools saw increases in chronic student absenteeism since the onset of the pandemic. And about half of schools also reported increased acts of disrespect toward teachers and staff. So the kids were gone. They were maybe left alone a lot. And then they have to go back to a system that's regimented. The bell rings. You better get to class. I remember the panics, don't you? I got to get to class. The bell's going to ring. That was the battle cry. The bell's going to ring. Did the bell ring? When's the bell going to ring? You, you were just marched all over the campus based on the bell. Well, the kids, having a little bit of time off from school and authority and being regimented and disciplined, are returning. And they're not behaving like submissive children. Why, for an entire school year, if not longer, millions of American students went to a fully virtual learning environment in which it became easy to skirt the rules, avoid discipline, and still pass. Isn't that a great, great way to just educate the kids? I watched a couple of Bill Maher videos the other day. Okay, I know sometimes it's punishment. Sometimes it's like, huh, like a blind shed that finds a knife in the squirrel twice a day. He was talking about how kids aren't learning anything. We're, we're, we're indoctrinating them. We're teaching them to hate the country. But they're not doing well academically. Bill Maher got that. There's a shocker for you. So the kids, largely free from the structure and discipline of a school environment, regressed. Lockdowns have been associated with all manner of problems in our nation's youth. But it isn't death. Actually, it looks like it could be. Including declines in student mental and emotional health, motivation, social skills, reading proficiency, and general academic achievement. Some studies have found that students made little or no progress while learning from home. Here it comes. Lockdowns have also been correlated to increased child suicide rates. It's not death, said the former governor of New York, who said, we've got to use these extreme, we've got to lock people up because otherwise everybody's going to die. Well, it turns out people have died from the lockdowns as the depression rate continues to soar in this country and the kids mostly are feeling that. But you say, what does that have to do with feminism? I'm glad you brought us back on track. CRT is to blame too. And you'll see how this works hand in glove with feminism. Speaking of hand in glove, if you have two gloves, you can't get anything. If you just have two hands, they're going to freeze without the gloves. You've got to have a hand and glove. Sort of like you have to have somebody leading and somebody following. Ah, uh, you brought that back. I did. <laughs> I certainly did. At the same time, lockdowns were beginning to have deleterious effects on students. Another dramatic social crisis was already enveloping our nation's schools. Anti-racism curricula. This is something that a lot of parents are catching on to and going, whoa, whoa, wait a second. What are we teaching our children here? Well, the reality is there's a whole lot of indoctrinating going on, and it has to do with not submitting to authority, to overturning power structures, to getting rid of family, which is why it works hand in glove with feminism. 
Millions of American students are now exposed to anti-racist curriculum that encourages skepticism and cynicism, if not outright enmity toward our country and its founders. They're taught to interpret all events in our nation's history through the lens of racism, sexism, bigotry, and the manifold phobias that we all possess, especially if you're an evangelical Christian. That's what they're being taught. That is the focus of how they view American history. It was bad. It was bad. It was really, really bad. There was nothing good about it. Now, were there sexist people? Of course there were. There, there were all kinds of bad people. But overall, the system, and every nation requires a system, this system has been the best for human flourishing. But there's folks who would like to change that because without any sort of historical example, they would say, no, there's a better way. We don't know what it is yet, but we, believe me, it's better than this Christian traditional family business. An entire generation of American youth is actively being inculcated, not in civic virtue, but radical activism, if not outright Marxism. They've been encouraged to not only question authority, but despise it. Hmm. Is that why so many kids don't talk to their stupid parents anymore? Could that be a part of the feminist movement, the radical feminist movement to destroy family? The Marxist desire to destroy family? Who can be trusted? Certainly not George Washington or Honest Abe. They were racist bigots responsible for terrible evils against black and indigenous people. Therefore, Abraham Lincoln? Don't Yes, that is correct. Besides, he was gay, you know. That's what some people say. Yeah. No no proof of that, but nevertheless, they're bad, they're terrible. Don't respect them. Don't honor them. Do we still have President's Day? Maybe they should just change it to like Barack Obama and Bill Clinton Day. Something like that. You know the presidents that they to Jimmy Carter Day. What was oh, that? That would be so good. I was reading something. This goes back a bit. And they were trying to make the, the oh, I know it was, uh, was it John Stewart trying to make the case that Jimmy Carter was the best president we've ever had? Really? Whew. You think gas is a problem now? Don't trust George Washington. Don't trust Abe Lincoln. They were terrible. And if the men who built this country and the great institutions are worthy not of emulation, but censure, then why should students bother respecting the teachers or principals who represent this supposedly systematic racist regime? And so they are behaving poorly in school. And I would suggest to you that indoctrination of CRT and changing American history, it is contributing to why so many kids despise parental authority. This... this the media is complicit in it. They, they, they teach that, whoa, parents, they've, they won't let their kid become a different gender. Oh, oh, how oppressive. That's got to stop. All of the efforts that we're seeing in secular society are after your family. What do you do? Well, here, there's, there's the assault. It's right outside the door. What do you do? Well, we continue to go to work while we can. We continue to drive around and shop while we can. But might I suggest, if you have not plugged into your local church, you're going to want to do that. 
And you're going to want to have some help. Yes, it takes parents to raise a children, but it doesn't hurt to have a congregation encouraging kids to be submissive and obedient and to be respectful and to do things well and quickly without grumbling. Mom and dad, if you got young kids, you need help. Get plugged in to a Bible-based church ASAP or prepare to say bye-bye, kids. Sure was nice. This is Wretched Radio. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash Wretched. Affordable Biblical Health Sharing. Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for mm, bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Thank you for joining us for Wretched Radio today. When is the last time you took a gander around the Wretched Store? If it's been a while, I'd like to urge you to do so today. The Wretched Store is home to tons of great resources, books, booklets, videos, MP3s, and curriculum. And I'll go out on the limb and say that everybody will be able to find something they'll love and learn from in the Wretched Store. So take some time and peruse all we have available. Wretched.org slash store. All of the resources that you'll find are only made possible by the support of our gospel partners. We can't produce the content that we're able to produce without that ongoing support. So while you're visiting the Wretched store at Wretched.org, would you also consider taking a look at our donate page by clicking the give link at the top of the page? There you'll find all the information you will ever need regarding becoming a gospel partner. Wretched.org slash store, Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet, the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like Preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today, offering free, loving, Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched revelation special revelation is god's act of making himself known through direct means 
In history, God has spoken directly to people like Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and the prophets. 2,000 years ago, He revealed Himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Today, He reveals Himself in His perfect Word, the Bible. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Cool, Mom and Dad. There's another group that are after your beloved children. This is Wretched Radio. Mom, Dad, if you do not have a battle plan for your family, perhaps it's because you are not aware of the war that is being waged against you and your children. There are large, powerful, and loud groups that would love nothing more than for your family to become dismantled, for your kids to fling off authority and be the center of their own universe, fulfilling their own desires, being the authentic you, speaking truth to power, whatever other slogans we use to talk about (laughs) self-esteem ideologies to puff us up and think that we're the center of the universe. We get to define reality. We get to define morality. What a mess we've concocted. And the world would love for your kids to believe them. Not only are radical feminists after your kids, so many, not all, so many educators are trying to indoctrinate your children, teaching them to disrespect authority. I don't even know that they realize what they're doing to themselves. Um, What if they disrespect you? You don't want them to respect George Washington and Abe Lincoln. Why should they respect you? And they, they're, they're feeling the effects of teaching kids a really bad idea. <laughs> it's causing schools to be more disruptive than ever these days because of bad behavior. And that bad behavior goes home. When we see, for instance, the movement to protect kids from their parents because the little ones want to change their gender, We're teaching the kids, despise that authority. Don't worry, we got you. We're going to let you do what you want to do. This is tough for moms and dads. You've probably, Jimmy, I'm guessing you've had this conversation before. That, you know, if we we were permissive parents, the kids would probably like us more. (laughs) Yeah. We've talked about that. That our kids would think that we're hipper and groovier if we just let them do whatever they wanted. Well, that's not what parents do. Parents do control. Now, we let loose of those reins gradually as they enter into adulthood. But we do control them because it's for their good. These days, they're being told that's for your bad. They're oppressive and terrible. But there's another group that is after your children. This is a booklet I picked up at a Baptist church last week. It's called The Gay Dilemma and Your Church. Reaching out to those who struggle. Thought this might be helpful for you, mom and dad, or for the local church. Today, kids are asking questions earlier and earlier. Am I gay? Biased and agenda-driven vehicles of the culture that we cannot effectively escape, like movies, television, music, secular education systems, force that question onto youth in kindergrade, and frankly, if they could take them in the delivery room and start indoctrinating them, they would. We must equip and involve all those in youth ministry, starting in early middle school ministry, including Sunday school teachers, volunteer leaders, and especially youth staff about these issues. If you aren't 
equipping your Sunday school teachers, youth group leaders to, to deal with, and I'm afraid even talk about some of these issues biblically with an appropriate age child, um, you might want to because the kids are thinking about it even in churches. It happens. Back to the booklet. We want 12-year-old Jimmy to be able to approach a trusted male in our youth ministry and admit, I'm looking at pictures I shouldn't be on the computer, and I know it's wrong. We want 14-year-old Susie to be able to go to a trusted woman in our church and confess, I think I'm a lesbian. What do I do now? Any youth worker or youth pastor not able and willing to address these issues head on. Get ready. If you're not able to do that regularly and compassionately, you should not be in youth ministry today. Now, we want to make sure that we don't become like the public schools. Well, we'll just then we'll let the Sunday school teachers talk to our kids. No, we want to know what's going on there because we're talking about sensitive subjects. But it seems that a church should have some sort of battle plan for helping kids that are being confronted with these issues and feeling so much peer pressure. This is why you need the church, mom and dad. You need support. You need other voices. You need other adults acting like they maybe know something and speaking authoritatively based on the word of God. No, this is what sexuality is. This is what marriage is. This is why you need to honor your father and mother. You need that. And church, we, we, we need to be that place where we have the backs of moms and dads. Back to the booklet. We might not see so many of our youth genuinely seeking help for their question and struggles from the internet, only, only to be kidnapped there with really bad thinking, that maybe if we were talking about these issues and saying, hey, this is the way things work, they wouldn't need to go elsewhere because the internet has become so dark was reading an article. It was really good. It was a little on the snarky side, which is a lot for me to say, but it was really good in talking about how the internet has become a place where kids who don't quite get voted as most likely to succeed or most popular now can go there for encouragement. And this individual was remembering back 20 years ago that the outcasts at school, yeah, you kind of knew that they were different, but they were still within the lines. Okay, you had a couple of toughs. They were the ones who smoked pot behind the gymnasium. But overall, even though somebody might be dorky or geeky, you knew that they'd get it figured out. But then he said a kid showed up at school who was so antisocial. He walked around in a moo-moo. I'm not exactly sure what a moo-moo is, but I don't think it's normative behavior for a high school kid. And he realized, now that, that's out there. And his observation is, I'm seeing more and more of those kids today. And they go to the internet where they can find a home. They aren't accepted or they aren't wanting to be accepted in school. So they go find a place where they can be affirmed. And that place is the internet. We need to be battling the internet by talking about the things, whether we like it or not, the kids are talking about and wrestling with. I don't like it any more than you do. I feel bad for a parent. When do we do the birds and bees thing? Well, when is the world doing it to them? How much exposure are they getting from the world? Because if the world has access to them and they are teaching them, then you need to be on it. And these days, if you send them to a public institution, that's kindergarten. 
cool. Maybe we'd see less kids running to the internet if we were talking about it. From the booklet, The Silent Years, when no preteen or teen talks about what's going on inside, must be intentionally addressed over and over again by our youth workers, along with varied and multiple permission-giving messages for disclosure. The church must be seen as a helpful and safe place for youth to disclose their struggles. Ask yourself the question, is that the environment that's being cultivated in your church? We also want our churches to offer concrete pastoral help to adults struggling with sexual issues. Here again, repeated, upfront, permission-giving messages need to be supplied from the leadership in all capacities, effectively communicating that we know and expect that these struggles might be a part of your experience and we want to help. Let's let's do this together. Pastor, maybe something to consider. Do you ever address young people and their sexual struggles? Confusion from the pulpit? No. You shouldn't become a church where that is the feature and the focus. But to not ever speak about it? Yikes. We must proactively organize to help those who are struggling. Today, many churches successfully run Bible study support groups on sexual or sexual integrity groups focused on these issues and problems for their members and the community. There are some churches that are providing classes for this. Would anybody attend? Yeah. Yeah, they would. And we need to see homosexuals as Christ would, as people, not an issue. We need to, we need to understand that there are people inside of our church who are real human beings, who really need gentle instruction. They really need support because they really don't want these desires. They really don't want to be looking at those images. They really don't want to be going to those dark places. Do they know that your local church is a safe space for those conversations? Maybe it will look different in different churches, how this gets implemented, but it seems to me with the world being ravenous to devour our children, now is the time for the local church to step it up even more than the good ones already do because the world, whether it's radical feminism, whether it's CRT, whether it's the 1619 Project, whether it's the parent or the teachers at school that are so busy undermining your authority, we need to assemble together like we're supposed to in the first place because it takes a church to raise a child. Until tomorrow, Go serve your king.